0: Let's uh, pray, and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity just to meet in your word. Lord, we're thankful for what you give us in First Timothy chapter 2. And uh, Lord, these warring women, as we finish this up tonight, Lord, I pray, God, that you'd be glorified. Uh, thank you for this season of prayer. I pray, God, that uh, most importantly... Lord, that uh, we would accomplish some things in regard to praying tonight that uh, will glorify you and advance the kingdom of God. Uh, Lord, I just thank you, Lord, for Jesus. Thank you for uh, loving us and dying for us and including us in, a, in your plan for all of eternity. Lord, help us just to uh, just really just be in awe of who you are. And, uh, and just thank you for, for just including us in your mission uh, with your power for your glory uh, We thank you and we ask a blessing on the reading And the, and the uh, application of the word tonight And uh, we just ask this in Jesus name Amen Alright so We've been talking about We talked about praying men Now we're on warring women And um, we're talking in verses 11 through We're going to get to Jamie's question From last week He had that the, the big La the grand pregunta So uh, the big question so uh, let's let's go over the text once again. And uh, I said Second Timothy, First Timothy, chapter two. Um, let's just read the the, uh, the text from beginning to end. Paul says there, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. In all godliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time, whereunto... I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting, in like manner also that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with braided hair or, bra- broided hair, uh, or gold or pearls or costly array, uh, but which becometh, uh, uh, but, I'm sorry, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works, uh, let the women learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach nor usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the, uh, the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. So, uh, that is Paul's admonition. Um, very simple, really. When you think about it, it's not—it's not real long, uh, and it's—it's it's, uh, if you just take it for what it says, you know, it's pretty easy to understand. So, um, so we've covered the fact that uh, the men are the the praying men uh, understand the priority of prayer, the power of prayer, and uh, they are to be the leaders in prayer. Does everyone have a handout, by the way? i got too many here. I think you guys do. You were probably gone. This is... We're on the back... We're on the number... I think we're on number three here. So... so, Oh, sorry, Jeff. I just wanted to mess with you. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, warning women of what we've been talking about and i'll run through these jeff if you're a note taker back there just so he can fill in the blanks we saw number one was uh, warring women are to be good looking to god and uh, we saw that in first timothy 2 9 through 10 and uh, this admonition um was how they were it wasn't that they weren't supposed to pray right they're to look good to God women uh, uh, to look good to God women women need to mind their manners, which I know is an inflammatory way of saying that, but ultimately uh, he says in like manner also so we talked about that being uh, how they are to conduct themselves and and how they look good to God when they conduct themselves um, in in the fashion as described there and we went into all the details of being sober and vigilant and how that protects them point b we saw under point uh, 1b uh the look looking to god is different um Uh, looking good to god is different than looking good to the world and uh, that's where i talked about modest is hottest and matthew west and all of those things uh and so uh we talked about modesty and that got a i got a response from sharon on that because of her time at the public school and then we saw that if a woman point c is if a woman looks good to god she'll look great to her husband and uh that's mentioned in the text that uh you know uh and i also brought up first peter 3 that peter also emphasized the inward beauty of a woman is the way that god will will even with a lost husband will impact him and so it's not the he doesn't say you know dress up and look pretty although there's nothing wrong with that but he's actually saying put the emphasis on the inward woman and uh and so that was point c uh and then uh that that wraps it up there so um I'm looking at that handout. I didn't have a... Yeah, and then so we moved on to point two last week. Um, and it was a uh, good, good learning. So uh, warring women are manifest by their good looking to God and they're good. They're good learning, which isn't good English, but it works good for my outline. And so verses 11 and 12 is where we dealt with that, that the women are to learn in silence with all subjection. And I pointed out that that women are, it doesn't say they're not to learn. They are to learn. They're just, there's a way that they're to learn. Uh, and, uh, and he does not allow or suffer a woman to teach or use authority over the man, but be in silence. I pointed out that Paul here is addressing Timothy, the pastor who was trying to keep the church in order and uh, and so uh, he's making sure the women are not usurping the authority of the men, obviously, so point A was the priority of learning and talked about how that they are to learn it wasn't he wasn't forbidding them from learning, <clears throat> and that can be confused oftentimes and twisted uh, in this text and Point b, the process of learning. he doesn't want them to corrupt authority or to go outside the authority in a nutshell and we talked about that that took us the balance of our time last week so now we are to number three um, and we are dealing with um, uh, warring women are manifest by uh, good they're good looking to God they are good learning and they are good living so good living is the third point Did I have anything else nope that's good all right so uh, good living so, good living is where we are. Verses thirteen through fifteen. We're going to wrap this up. For Adam was first formed, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. Um, so we left off last week, and, and, and uh, actually, Jamie wanted to know what is this talking about, and I said, Jamie, you have to wait till next week, and so because that's where we are. It obviously ties in uh, with verse 10 but which become come with god you know so he's, he's he's carrying the thought down about not usurping the authority of the men and the, and the manner in which women are to conduct themselves and then he gives us really the reason why uh in verses 13 because uh, you know there's an authority structure there that's designed to protect in verses 13 through 14 there's an order of which creation uh, is uh, is recorded there in Genesis with Adam uh, that was first formed then Eve so there's an order by which um, this structure is, is set forth so point A is uh, we are to submit to the priority of the creator in uh, verse 13 that's the way God designed it the man was created first uh, and so Uh, That makes him responsible. He is responsible. Uh, And so uh, he is the responsible party. The man was created first so he could also be accountable. If we took the time to go back to Genesis, right, and look at the fall... Even though Eve was mentioned there as being beguiled and she's the one that had the first interaction as is recorded, it's Adam that is the one that is addressed by God in the garden because that's how God designed it. So he was both responsible and he was accountable. And a lot of men need to get a hold of that. And a lot of women need to get a hold of that, by the way. Um, uh, Because uh, you know as it goes in our culture and in our churches, a lot of times that gets upside down and backwards. And uh, the men become... Uh, they give their wives the responsibility, and they forget that they have the accountability. And even if they can get by with it now, it won't look good for them at the judgment seat of Christ. So uh, so that's upside down and backwards. And so point three, a woman who understands this will find it much easier to submit to her husband, uh, and vice versa, same thing with a, uh, a husband um and she'll submit to her father she'll submit to her pastor etc because she realizes she'll not be held a, that she will not be held accountable for her covering's responsibilities and so she's comfortable in the knowing that even his bad judgment is bad judgment as long as i submit i'll submit to his bad judgment and god will protect me hopefully and bless me hopefully and uh And, uh, you know, God help him learn the easy way and not the hard way. And so uh, some men are knuckleheads, obviously, uh, but it's safer for the woman to submit. Uh, Now, obviously, you know, usually a lot of people, you say that, the first thing they're going to say is, well, what about this anomaly? Uh, Some man is beating his wife. Some man is outside of authority. Okay, well, we have other authorities to handle that. Uh, because a man is not to treat his wife like that right and so that is not to say a woman should be a doormat and uh, should be uh, just subject to abuse relentlessly um, and so um, it's in and so when you get into every one of those types of scenarios it is a case by case situation and so it's you're not just going to paint it with a brush so uh, because I've I've seen this actually in multiple instances where, um, well, I won't get into the details. I'll make a long story short, I'll just leave it with the Word of God. So, uh, for this discussion, talking about godly women and also the order of the church, uh, keep the structure together. So, as a pastor, I'm sure Jeff's experienced this too. Sometimes a woman will go around, try to go around their husband, right, and like on purpose. And you're like, well, what did your husband say? Oh, you know, and, and especially if a, w- a guy's a weak leader, I really push back on that. Because uh, he, you're not going to help him if you keep going around him. You know, go back and ask him, what does he want? And, and uh, a lot of times uh, the husband will will respond to that. That's why a lot of win- churches are ran by women oftentimes because uh, men, men are not in charge. They're not doing what they need to do. And if they do try to do what they need to do, sometimes they get too much pushback. And so, uh, I know that that's been the cause of a lot of church uh, splits and things like that in times past. So, um, and so if a woman's out of control, whose responsibility is that? The man, right? So, uh, it's like, man, husband, could you do something with your wife? And so, uh, I have, I have asked husbands in this church to do that. Like, Hey, you need to talk to your wife because this is crazy, you know? And, uh, stop that <laughs> so and uh, anyway uh, that's his responsibility i'm not her husband and so okay moving on to point b so that's what uh, that's what paul's addressing here he is concerned about the health of the church which is why he's talking about how they should behave in the church and so uh point b see the- uh, see the protection in submission, so there's a priority of the creator, point a, but there's also protection in the submission in verse fourteen for it says an Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression, and so you'll notice that women are often uh, oftentimes much more full of faith in a good sense they they follow God oftentimes much more readily than men um why because they believe and belief is a big part trust is a big part of what it takes to follow Jesus the problem is is that not all not all every man can be trusted so uh that's why god says hey settle underneath the covering be underneath the husband be underneath your father be underneath the pastor for your protection so that you don't get out there where you can get uh deceived and beguiled by the adversary it's not because they're lesser It's because they're more precious, they're more valuable, and really, in many respects, men were not created with wombs. Women were created with wombs. That's why they're women. Womb man is a woman, and so uh, protect that lady. So, uh, and ladies, don't take it as an insult that God wants to protect you. Take it as a compliment because you are a precious vessel, in the sense that you are. doesn 't mean you 're so dainty you can 't mow the lawn. It just means that that uh, you are precious and God values you, and the devil values you as well. He wants to destroy you, and so uh, God wants to protect you through the act of submission. And so, um, you know, the old Madonna song, Papa Don't Preach. Well, there's a reason Papa was preaching, because he cared about his daughter. You know, Uh, He didn't want you to become who you became, Madonna. There you are. And so, you should have listened to Papa, because uh, he cared about you more than uh, Hollywood. I promise you that. So, most places in Scripture uh, blame Adam, but it's clear Adam was not deceived. Eve was. Uh, Adam is blamed because he is responsible. Even when his wife is beguiled, he was responsible. So, there's not only protection for the female in submission but the male uh, is is also protected when she is is willing to submit if she gets outside of that it puts him in jeopardy uh, because he's got to go and now he's in harm's way he's gotten into he's gotten out in the front lines because uh, he's out where he's exposed to the adversary and so uh, a submissive wife is going to protect her husband just by her invert by virtue of her own submission it's going to put her husband in a better place so if she cares about her husband she will also adhere to this because it's not just for her protection it's also for her husband's protection and so uh, that's the way god designed that so point c uh we got to see the prophecy in submission so there's a priority of the creator there's a protection and submission and then there's the prophecy in verse 15 which is i think where jamie's question was last week notwithstanding she shall be saved in childbearing if I can just stretch this out a little longer, delay that answer. Uh, not, if not, notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. So this is a, often a confusing passage to many, but uh, if we take it in biblical context, it's really pretty clear. So the heretics teach that a man and woman can be saved through giving birth. Now that's total heresy. Uh, that's a Catholic position. And it's completely wrong. It's bogus, ridiculous. Uh, that's not what he's talking about there. That you need to have kids and fill up our church roles because we'll baptize your child and now the church will grow through your, the, by virtue of your birth. Uh, that's, that's ridiculous and that's absurd and it's not, not at all biblical. So if that's what you're thinking about that passage, that's not right. So what is the clear context? Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, the issue here is a woman being in order which is what the clear context is throughout the whole passage, uh, and under protection. You'll remember last week, um, I brought that up That in verse 1. It says, I exhort therefore that first of all, uh, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. So even the the whole text starts off with God wants all men under his authority, right? So this whole passage starts off with authority. He wants all men under his authority, not for their hurt, but for their betterment, right? For their salvation. And so he wants them to come to the knowledge of the truth. And it's it's acceptable, right? It's good and acceptable in a quiet and peaceable life. So he wants what's best for us. And so when we come to this passage... The issue here is a woman uh, being in order, under protection, and prosperous in God's will. Now, God makes it clear that the curse of sin uh, was delivered through childbirth. In Genesis 3.15, I won't say this, God will say it. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman. And between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Which, of course, is a prophecy of the Lord Jesus. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. And sorrow shalt thou bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Now that's Genesis three fifteen through 16 after the fall. Of uh, of uh, Genesis there, and so there's a very simple meaning that a godly woman will be spared um, the pain of childbearing. A more comprehensive understanding of verse Timothy two fifteen will lead us to comprehend that prayer for your children will profit both the mother and child. This context is about prayer. The whole chapter is about praying. Uh, So we see that from the beginning there's been a battle over the womb. The first two boys born ended with the sorrow of murder as Cain slew Abel. There's a sorrow attached to childbearing as part of the curse. Not only that a woman who is married bears a child under the authority of her husband as identified in Genesis 3.16... And I'm sorry, ladies, uh, but that is what the scripture says. Your husband shall rule over you as a condition of the curse. And that's really what Paul's setting forth here, is that priority. Um, But there's a battle over the womb and the prosperity of women. And we see that Hannah and Samuel was praying earnestly for her seed. And Samuel came forth by faith. And he impacted the nation of Israel in a powerful way, in spite of being raised with Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas. And so God uh, spared her. And most women care a great deal about their children and their posterity. That's why we today we got up and we dedicated babies right this morning. We really dedicated parents to raising them. There's not a parent with any sense in this world that doesn't pray over their child, doesn't want the best for their child, doesn't want the pain, That not just the physical birth, obviously, which is associated with the fall of Adam, but also the pain of seeing children go wayward and not uh, be in the faith. And so most women, uh, naturally, so we need to make sure, not all women, but most, we need to make sure we are modeling these things in the home and the church. When men are praying, and women are praying, and parents are living out God's word, guess what, the fruit of the womb? is blessed. I don't just mean in childbearing. Obviously, there's going to be pain associated with childbirth, uh, but he's going to bless the womb, uh, and and they will be saved. They'll be spared the pain of sin and death that is that is upon Adam's race because... Yes, sir? I'm sorry, right? I didn't mean stop Oh, okay. What we were saying is that where the word "if" fits in. Uh-huh. Yes. So, are you saying that is this kind of like a conditional promise? Yeah, that if they can, if they continue in this, in, in the proper, then she'll be spared the. Yeah, the pain of, of child of of sorrow of raising a child that's rebellious, like Cain and Abel. Of course, Cain wasn't. Cain was rebellious. Abel wasn't. I'm using those two boys as the example because not only did she have, have pain in childbirth, but she had pain watching her one son kill the other. I mean, that's a terrible curse of, the, of sin and no parent wants that on their child. So if you don't want, if you want, if you want to pluck down your house as a woman, just ignore everything Paul just said and just do what you be loud and uh, ignore your husband's authority go around him at every opportunity exert your will over everyone else's and see what happens to your boys <laughs> cuz they will hate your guts and uh they and they're going to have issues and uh and so I'm just saying i mean that's really how it is and you got in of course in this culture you can see that so the pain of childbearing we often get kind of locked down Obviously, women that read this verse have been godly women have had pain and childbearing. So it can't mean just literal pain and childbearing, right? I believe it's dealing with the... Yes, Jeff, I believe it's dealing with the pain that comes with bearing children in this world. We need to be praying for all men. And not just the kings and all that are in authority. We need to be praying for our children. But we need to be in these roles. Men need to be praying for... Uh, man, think about the pain of watching your son go off and fight a war in Ukraine. Right now, I mean, this gets really practical when it comes to like geopolitical issues. Um, I don't want to see I don't want to see that kind of turmoil in my country, right? So it really gets back to James Dobson, right? Focus on the family, and all that. All of that is being set forth in one small chapter, and, uh, in in uh, fifteen verses. We really get a big, a good template on what you know. And and as Americans too, we can look back and see how our country over time has gone through this cycle over and over again. A cycle of revival, a cycle of renewal, um, again, an emphasis on God, the home, the family, the patriarchy, the matriarchy, the right way to... And that we've never been sinlessly perfect, but we've had wave after wave of revival, and we've also had judgment that comes through war, and good young men have died and we've had civil war here because of sin you know you can just look in our own short history as a nation and you can see kind of the kind of what Paul's talking about that there's a lot of pain and suffering associated with childbirth uh, and especially before modern era where, you know, people live so easily. I was just talking with someone the other day. We we're thinking about how many, like if you had 12 kids, some Some we were talking about just the death rate of children in America in the, just in the like 1800s. Oh, it was Mitch Newland and I were talking about that because he's doing his dissertation. And uh just looking back on that, I mean, the, the, I don't remember his number, but the number of children that you would probably lose, you're going to lose... But most children, if you made it to 18 or 20, I think the number was you were good. But you would lose tons of children. I mean, you might lose three, four kids between the birth and 18 years old to just fever. You know, it's in the record. It's just the fever. They don't know what it is, you know, whatever it was. And uh, they had the fever and they died. They had the fever and they died. There's a lot of pain associated with uh, bearing children historically and not just the 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 birth canal process but the whole process and so um he's like man i'm trying to help you out (laughs) just stay in your lane pray for kings and all in authority lead a quiet and peaceable life you know in your home in your community in your country because sin is a horrible thing and and it's painful it's hard so Um, So if we don't do it right at home, uh, it won't be right at church. And so a woman and a man who pray and follow God's will produce, uh, produce God's fruit, not only in the spirit, but in the womb. That's the other side of this coin is you want the fruit of the womb to be your reward not just physical fruit but spiritual fruit. I pray for every one of those infants that were up here on the back, up here on the platform today that they don't just have a good life but they all get saved right That's most important. They're not going to do that in a home where the mom or the dad is not in the proper role. Um, and so, and of course today the, the dad could think he's a woman and the, and the woman could think she's a man. So that will really mess a kid up and uh, then they won't get saved. So that's not saying that if, if you're barren, <clears throat> that you're in sin, uh, that's absurd, right? I mean, Hannah was barren. Um, uh, Sarah was barren. So all, a lot of godly women were barren in the Bible. Uh, and so some of the most key people in the Bible were barren and God used that, but God will bless our fruit. If we prioritize prayer. Uh, keep uh, keep order in our lives and our homes, and we keep our children uh, who are born to us in childbearing. So women especially will be spared the pain of erring children when they model godly femininity to their husbands and their children and the church. That is actually the final answer there. So I waited to the very end there, Jamie. And I believe that is what verse 15 is talking about. I've had a pastor say it's talking about <clears throat> the them there, notwithstanding uh, uh, she shall be saved in childbearing he said, he thinks that the she there is is a is someone they're witnessing to. The only problem with that is I don't see that anywhere in the text. You just kind of got to grab that in my opinion out of the air. Uh, I do believe this is the she is the mother. Uh, and the bearing of the children goes beyond just the physical birth, but goes into the whole bearing of a child into full to adulthood, and uh, and setting forth a pattern that will save her heart later. And again, that's not to say that if you have an erring child, that you somewhere mess this thing up because rebellion is bound in the heart of a child and. If that were the case, God had rebellious children. I mean, what are you going to do with God the Father? <laughs> he had rebellious children. So he knows what it's like to have rebellious children. But having said that, if you're going to have rebellious children, it's still better to model uh, Christ in the church. You hear that too? That's I think they're doing some decoration over there. So it does sound like the wall's f- caving in, but th- just ignore that. <clears throat> it's just a tornado. No, don't worry about it. So anyway, does that... Let me stop there. is there any more is there questions on that or how I view that or is that clear yeah Jeff uh i'm hang on. c c c c see the prophecy and submission yeah prophecy uh, yes from the warring women's side yeah Proverbs 14 1 I don't have a there is a lot of uh, conf- you know a lot of confusion on that passage as a matter of fact I think I've heard it taught wrong uh, or taught you know differently let me say uh, in other instances myself but uh, Yeah, every wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. Amen. And that's in essence, yeah, I think that's what Paul's saying is if if you want to have pain, just go outside the guidelines I've given you here in these short verses. Uh, And you know that the intention is good based on what Peter said from last week's message, you know, on the same topic is the whole idea here is to help, not to hurt. And uh, even if the husband isn't who he needs to be, this, this works for a saved man or a lost man. And uh, by emphasizing the godly beauty on the inside, above the godly, there can be godly beauty on the outside, that's not a problem, but the the, the emphasis should be the inside. And the outside is, is secondary to the inside, um, which is what his point is. He's not trying to be legalistic, of course, I think we talked about that uh, as well as the culture and Ephesus and the, the brothels, and you know, you don't, you definitely don't want to look like Cardi B. She's not your model, nor the harlot down at the temple at Diana, of Diana. And so you want to, you want to, you want to represent godliness within the cultural context, and uh, that's different if you're in a tribe in Africa, right? You can. You know, there's topless women in the jungle that are running around, and it's perfectly fine in that culture because nobody knows any different, right? So that's different than when you're in Kansas City, right? So, uh, and uh, we had a nice discussion about the uh, terrible dress in our culture today. So, anyway, but uh, modest is hottest, and uh, and so Matthew West was right. So that's all I, that's all I got to say. If there's no other things next so there are weak men who do not want to have the responsibility of the authority that they should have. And so they don't take over the authority because they don't want to be responsible for the woman under them. Because they're weak. They think, eh, let her do it. Yeah, men that and that's true. Men that won't take on the responsibility the, the on the authority uh, they they omit the responsibility and and ultimately they they think that they're getting out from under the consequences but they will reap what they sow and uh and we know that to be the case and it's a, it's a sad situation um in our culture i remember right here in this building one time a, a young man impregnated a girl they were coming on wednesday nights they were teenagers and he impregnated a girl, and man, I was just beside myself uh, because after he impregnated this girl, I was like, "Are you gonna? What are you gonna do?" You know, I was like, pastor jumping in to help counsel, and and he's like, "Well, I'm going to college, you know," and just as a matter of fact, this could be, and I can't let this stop my plans, and I just was taken aback. I'm like, "You just impregnated this girl, you know," and I don't. They left shortly thereafter. I don't know what happened, but I was very disappointed at his attitude toward number one you shouldn't be fornicating obviously uh number two man you just made a baby now you're just gonna walk off and go to college like nothing happened are you kidding me but today that's cool i mean that's just a no big deal single mamas you know there's the whole tv shows dedicated to it on mtv so uh but it's not it's not cool it's not the way god ordained it and and men that don't take care and there's men that want to take care of the responsibilities and women that could care less and uh I know some, we have men in our church, when we talk about abortion, I I won't tell you who they are, but their heart grieves because they were in relationships and they wanted their child, but they couldn't keep it uh, because the woman had a choice and she made it and it wasn't the choice he would have preferred. And to this day they're, they're hurt. And so, you know, that's the pain (laughs) that we're talking about when we don't submit to God and we're not in God's perfect will, um. Or even good, acceptable will. You know, the pain starts to, to really close in on us, and it's not all physical pain. So, um, but anyway, I think you guys are this pretty mature group. You guys all know what we're talking about, and you get it. So, but these are sobering stuff. It's amazing how a book written, you know, fifteen verses written two thousand years ago, is so practically applicable. You know, today. I mean, it's just it's just God's word is it's timeless and uh, it's true. All right, so uh, man, praise God, Matt Matt uh, Matt, Matt uh, Morrow felt all your prayers last week, and um, I had a chance to visit with him, and he's very encouraged. Um, he's glad he's made it through the surgery, and that's all behind him. So, uh, oh, I thought I turned this off. So.